lot With a pink hotel, a boutique and a swinging hot spot Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you've got till it's gone It pays paradise, put up a parking lot Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 193, Proactive Compliance, Monitoring, Testing, and Audits. Well, hello everyone. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. I uh, hope you had a nice celebration. We're recording this uh, after the uh, celebratory activities today. Anyway, I wanted to uh, sort of focus on a more theoretical and more practical discussion about proactive compliance trends, uh, monitoring, testing, and audits in this era of data and compliance data and how you tackle that problem. So uh, before we get into it, let's hear from our sponsor, Steel Compliance Solutions. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's Ethics and Compliance Automated Platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's Compliance Solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. So let's uh, turn to proactive compliance. Um, this is sort of the new uh, hot topic, and uh, I think it's reflective of um, sort of the ability of compliance officers now to get for compliance programs to be automated, uh, to generate data, to handle data, process it, and uh, use it as a way to measure uh, how your compliance uh, program is performing. So, I mean, we, uh, we, and you've often heard me talk about how proactive priorities have to be keyed to the detection and prevention of uh, misconduct. Um, and the way we do in, in, in proactive priorities and to look at it is we focus on ethics, compliance, and financial data. 
we identify risk factors, we monitor incidents and behaviors, reporting, financial transactions, and potential control violations. And before the, before the actual uh, conduct occurs or a scheme is carried out or you identify problems early in uh, the sort of scheme, uh, then you can intervene, remediate, and prevent going forward. As opposed to our sort of third line of defense, reactive priorities, which is you hear about misconduct, you learn about a scheme, unfortunately it's been going on for a long time, you investigate it, you do a root cause analysis, and then you remediate uh, based upon a post-event assessment uh, and uh, modifications that are needed. So that's kind of the idea. Uh, and I think, it, like I said in the intro, it relates to the fact that we have multiple data sources and types now that are being uh, generated. And we even have regulators like the SEC, the CFTC, they're already using data analytics in the industry to try to uh, identify fraud patterns, to failures to disclose cybersecurity issues. So data is everywhere. And in that sense, the regulators and the prosecutors are able to get access to it and to uh, you know search out for potential misconduct on the converse side on the flip side as uh, in the compliance area um, we already know that we generate large amounts of data from our automated platforms and our functions uh, and that data analytics no matter in what context is a tool that can be used to identify anomalies in compliance and finance related controls so data monitoring functions have to be agile, sophisticated, uh, and they need to be tailored consistent with uh, your company's risk profile. The, and you'll, we've written about it, other people have written about it. There's this talk about compliance becoming basically a dashboard monitoring function uh, built upon automated functions, real-time monitoring, take your investigations data, your incident management, if you're using your case management system for that purpose, uh, training you can keep track of. Uh, third parties obviously is a, 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 an important area. And then you can look at sampling and transaction data and uh, data related to compliance with the controls themselves. So data analytics has to be keyed again to your risk assessment. It has to be uh, keyed, obviously, to compliance issues, potential fraud, and fraud in terms of misuse of money that can be used for a variety of schemes, let alone just uh, stealing from the company. And uh, th there's a lot also from data analytics that will generate valuable business intelligence that can be then uh, used to help you build a win-win relationship with uh, the business side uh, of your company. In other words, you're not just coming in and saying, hey, it's me, compliance, we've got to do these certain things, uh, and uh, you know, they sort of roll their eyes at you. No, you're saying to them, hey, I can become a valuable partner to you. I can bring you data from the marketplace. I can help you sell in the marketplace in the sense that I, uh, compliance provides a value add, a way to distinguish yourself from the competitors and more and more competitors, not just uh, purchasers are focusing on ESG factors, but that gives you a chance to talk about your uh, ethics and compliance program. 
government expectations in this area are pretty clear. Uh, they got, you know, it goes way back, but uh, even more recently in 2020, uh, DOJ revised its compliance valuation guidance to talk about access to and use of data to mandate that. And primarily that was directed at a problem that DOJ kept hearing about, which was that compliance could not get access to uh, HR, human resource data. And uh, they were tired of hearing about that. And they also wanted to break down silos. So this was a terrific mandate uh, that should be used by every compliance officer when they uh, fail to get uh, the proper access to and use of data within the company. Um, that also leads to two other points that they uh, underscored, which was real-time monitoring and continuous updating of your compliance program. So all of these uh, ideas sort of flow together, but remember, we're starting from a DOJ mandate of access to and use of data. And the evaluation, the DOJ evaluation guidance sort of set out what the expectations are. They want data-driven monitoring and review functions. They disfavor snapshots in time, which is, goes more along with what I call the reactive model, and they favor a continuous uh, sort of improvement loop based on access to operational data and information across functions. Remember, compliance stands at an important point in the organization, or should, in terms of with line of sight across the entire organization. They see lots of things that other functions don't necessarily see. Um, and what DOJ wants to see in particular is updating of risk assessments, uh, why and how the company's compliance program has evolved over time, updating of policies and procedures based upon these real-time monitoring and continuous improvement functions, what is the company's process for updating existing policies and procedures, and has that process changed over time? And then, of course, third-party risks, which uh, DOJ has commented on a lot for obvious reasons. Uh, does the company engage in risk management of third parties throughout the lifespan of the relationship or primarily during the onboarding process? So what's our framework? Where do we get started in terms of data and monitoring? Uh, you know, there's a, a very sort of generalized step-by-step uh, -step approach, which is you look at your sources of data, you determine some categories, you formulate measurements and, and thresholds, and you collect and review and assess, including trends, and then you evaluate and respond. Now, my only piece of advice in this area is as you build these types of programs out, start small. Start, in other words, with one, two, three areas and build on it and then see how it works, learn from that, and then apply it to other areas. And obviously the benefits of uh, a data and analytics is it helps you to constantly evolve. Uh, you know, knowledge is power, I know that's corny, but uh, you gain a lot of good insights through the data and analytics. Let's talk about some of the sources of automation uh, and data sources that we can look at. Third-party onboarding and monitoring of activity. Uh, we can also look at refresh of due diligence data as our risk profile or risk mitigation strategies indicate. 
uh, financial transactions and controls. For example, to the extent we have discount uh, approvals, re rebate approvals, tender offer approvals internally, we can start to look at some of the data related to that. Obviously, we can test our financial and compliance controls via sampling. And you have to be strategic in the use of sampling. Obviously, you're looking at a large population and you want to do that. Gifts, meals, and entertainment uh, is another great source of automation as more people have sort of gone to a proactive automated model because there are those uh, products out there uh, as well. Now, when we use data analytics to monitor compliance and fraud risks, we look at several areas. Uh, the order to cash process, in other words, the order of the product and then to the being paid for it. Uh, so you look at obviously purchase orders or contracts and then map out the business process that leads ultimately to cash and then you can start testing that. In other words, look for duplicate invoices, gaps in the sequence of invoices, sales during cutoff periods sales to third-party warehouses. These are all signs of fraud. Uh, comparing sales contracts, customer accounts with unusual credit terms or credit memos. Um, accounts payable is another important area to test uh, transaction where you look for duplicate transactions, payments to vendors who are not in the master file, payments prior to invoice or vendors who are employees or related to employees or even at the same address as an employee payments near approval limit or no descriptions. We also look at uh, compliance hotlines, obviously for number of reports, number of ports within regions or segments, timing of responses, types of issues or account, and results of the investigation. Those are just some right off the top of our head. Then we can also use to uh, look at uh, monitoring travel and business expenses. Look, for example, at expense descriptions and vendors, blank descriptions, keywords indicating policy violations like gifts, drinks, suspicious vendors, uh, dates, expenses that are submitted late, um, not compliant with the policy, submitted months or years later, or submitted dates preceding the receipt dates. Uh, always something to check. On the dollar amounts, amounts just under approval or receipt thresholds, let's say you had you know, $100 pre-approval requirement and then all of a sudden you get all these transactions coming in at $99 as a way to avoid that. Um, and you obviously look for uh, duplicates. Um, and don't forget payroll. Payroll is an area to look for fraud uh, and you can have ghost employees, overtime reporting fraud, uh, unauthorized payroll adjustments and duplicate uh, payments. So these are all, those are just examples of types of measurements that can occur. And if you've listened uh, to my prior podcasts or writings, read my, some of my writings in, on the blog, you'll know that I'm a big proponent of measuring your ethical culture. And by measuring, I know it's not as great uh, as sometimes as certain as other areas, but there really are important benefits to manager and employee surveys, testing your uh, culture. Um, and usually these should be short surveys. They can, these do not have to be the annual or biannual uh, HR surveys about how's the company doing. These are sort of 
short uh, pulse surveys is what I like to call them. And you maintain uh, these uh, ongoing types of surveys and then respond to them as you discover issues of concern. And you track the numbers uh, and you may do, let's say you do a spot check in one area in the beginning of the year, you may come back uh, in the fourth quarter of that same year and do another spot check in terms of a short survey of 12 questions. You can also use focus groups which are not uh, data scientific, you know, they're not scientific in the sense of it's a random sample, but nonetheless you're going to learn some insights and use that and apply it to some of the data that you may be generating through your regular survey uh, program. Uh, I mentioned earlier responsive control testing. Uh, you evaluate a corporate compliance program and one way the Justice Department likes to look at that is what kind of control-based data can you generate and then measure against. So look through your policies and procedures and break down those controls to individual tasks and then measure them and measure as to whether the task was complied with and whether it was properly complied with. So you could have approval forms where they, uh, they executed correctly. You could have documentation requirements where were their documents included pursuant to the policy. Break down your policy into individual rules and then use those rules uh, as a way to measure. And how do you do that? You take samples, again, of people or whatever was implemented uh, in terms of making sure that people follow that policy. Po people are aware of the policy and then you test against it. Did people follow the right procedures? Did you have a third party uh, risk management program for onboarding new vendors? And are people uh, going through that uh, due diligence process properly in terms of uh, onboarding new vendors or are they failing to comply with certain controls? One other uh, very productive area obviously is gifts, meals, and entertainment because we've seen so many uh, violations occur in this area. The traditional approach was people would be pre-approved for certain uh, you know, upper or higher type of gifts, meals, entertainment, and travel um, expenditures and then put in a reimbursement request. Um, and in the, in the situation where it was below the threshold, they just put in a reimbursement request. Well, automation has changed that. Rules uh, can be implemented. I mean, I've seen programs where it's down to the cell phone. And you could, for example, it's late in the day, you want to have uh, drinks with a potential customer, um, or, and you uh, need to get approval to do this. Uh, it can be automated and done fairly quickly. The benefit of this automated platform is analytics are easy to produce, uh, well kept, uh, and then you can use this as a way to sort of track programs and also to make sure, if, let's say you have a limitation on the number of you know, times you can uh, you know, go out with a foreign official or an amount of money that you can spend over that time period, this is another way to track uh, the, um, the uh, the compliance with the rules themselves. Okay, uh, one last area to talk about are, is organizational justice and the data principles that come from a case management system and investigation uh, program. 
and here we need to look at your time to close from report to closure and also we need to have an equal and cons consistent justice fairness uh, construct that usually requires a committee of some sort to assess the resolution of equally si situated violators in other words that you want to make sure that your senior people are treated the same and uh, not treated better than your middle, uh, let's say, middle management level, where people commit the same kind of violation, but they're treated differently. That's the surest way to undermine a culture of integrity uh, and a culture of trust. Um, so it's important that there is uh, some adherence to this commitment to equal justice and fairness. And it's actually a specific area mentioned by the Justice Department now in its guidance to make sure that uh, there's equal and consistent justice. justice. And we also, uh, at some point, there's been a push now to uh, disclose and communications concerning the program, its data, and the results. In other words, not, without giving out information that could uh, invade somebody's privacy rights, here we're talking about overall case management, hotline reporting, and case management, and how many, let's say, people were terminated. Uh, you could even say the types of violation. As long as it, it, you're not disclosing um, on a regular basis or in those contexts any singular information that's uh, related to one person or would identify that one person. So timeliness matters, but also remember the one of my sort of most favorite statements from the DOJ and SEC FCPA guidance is the truest measure of an effective compliance program is how it responds to misconduct. If there's uh, subterfuge, obfuscation, uh, obstruction, senior management doesn't really want to know about it, um, then that's one thing. Uh, but if a company faces it, deals with it, uh, fixes the problem, and shows that it's committed to fixing those problems, that's the type of thing that builds trust and integrity within the company. Okay, well, uh, we went through most of this, and I apologize uh, if it was a little long, but we are, uh, I wanted people to sort of get a handle on the data issues here, and uh, I think this is a productive area in terms of uh, focusing on proactive. Remember to start off relatively small, uh, don't overwhelm the system or the protocol here and start to build out uh, a data built as, or a data focused type of monitoring and testing and auditing program. All right, thank you everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay in touch, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Please don't it always seem to go 
that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. The key paradise, put up a parking lot. Late last night, I heard the screen door slam. And a big yellow taxi took away my old man. But you don't know what you've got till it's gone. You pay paradise, put up a parking lot. I said, don't it always seem to go? But you don't know what you've got till it's gone. The pay paradise, put up a parking lot.